0: Tough stuff. As we go through scripture, we see that there are things that are tough topics, tough bits of information for different reasons. Sometimes they're tough because we look at what's being taught and we say, I'm struggling to accept that. That doesn't fit with what I want. That doesn't fit with my worldview. So I'm struggling. Sometimes we come across tough things in scripture because we do agree with it, but everybody else doesn't. And then we're faced with having to integrate that into a life where we're dealing with other people on a regular basis. Today's tough stuff can be both. Today we're talking about racism. Racism is pretty topical. We've got a lot of things happening not just here in St. John or here in New Brunswick or here in the Maritimes or here in Atlantic Canada or in Canada, but in the whole world. There are things happening today where still people are using the issue of race to judge to oppress, to eliminate other people. Now, years ago, uh, a bunch of us went from here to Poland. Actually, we've had a few trips from here to Poland where we have helped at a school that some friends of ours run called Graceland, and they teach English from a biblical basis. And one of the things that they do with every trip for people who have not been there is they send you to Auschwitz and Birkenau, two of the Nazi death camps that were built in Poland for the prime purpose of the elimination, first of Jews, but then also a whole pile of other people that they decided they were better off without. We were there, we saw the grizzly museum, the remnants of a people who were hunted simply because their birth line was different. Now here's an interesting thing that many people don't like to talk about is that in Nazi Germany among the the party and the information they were giving to the people Germany was in many ways a Christian nation at the time and the Nazis used the fact that the Jews crucified Jesus as part of the reason to get rid of them That was part of their justification. It was horrible. And it was a lie. And I want to tell you this right now. We're going to look at some things in Scripture. We're going to look at some explanatory Scripture. And we're going to look at a couple of case studies to see what God says about this. Racism is what? looking down on other nationalities, looking down, thinking that a particular group of people are less than you because they are of a different origin. Perhaps they have a different skin color. Perhaps they have a different accent. Growing up as a child, racism, casual racism was very common. Everybody told all the different jokes that were around. Thought they were hilarious, didn't give two thoughts to them. In the last 50 years, things to a degree have changed. But what has not changed is the Word of God. And that's why I want us to go there. I can give you all kinds of nice reasons why we should care for other people, why we should respect other people. But I think it's more important that we find out what God says about it. We're gonna start in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 to 28. So if you've got your Bible, we'll take a second, and you can whip to the front of your Bible. You'll remember when we... We talked about last year when we talked about doing Bible study. Context is one of the most important things when you're considering the Word of God. Looking at a scripture verse out of context does it a great disservice and can create a false idea. So here we have God talking to himself. This is the context. He is creating This is part of the process of creation. And here's what he says. Verse 26, chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, quick question. Who did God create? I'm sorry, you were both at the same time. <laughs> what did you say? You said God created everything. True. You said? Male and female. It's up here. Whose image did he create them in? So here's where I get unpleasant. God created white people in his image, right? No, the answer is yes. But he also created the black people, the brown people, all the people in his image. It's everyone. It's mankind. Humanity was created in God's image. But he didn't just create them. What's the next thing he did? He blessed them. He blessed them. So God didn't create any one group. He created people. One One of the funniest questions that I've ever seen and the best response on a... Internet group that I'm in, a person said, and they were serious, what color were Adam and Eve? And the first response I thought was the best. Who cares? Because really, who cares? It doesn't make a lick of difference. So this is the first interaction with mankind the creation of mankind and god makes and blesses us in all our forms 1 Corinthians 12:13 now the letter to the corinthians covers a lot the first letter of the corinthians, to the corinthians covers a lot of information when you're going through it this part In chapter 12, verse 13, this says something that I think we need to hear. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So uh, let's let's put this into perspective, okay? Because again, we're talking about race. What race are the Gentiles? Exactly. Everybody who wasn't a Jew. (laughs) So we've got two subsets here. That's all. We've got the Jews and we've got everybody else. And we're all given how many spirits? One spirit. How many baptisms? One baptism. Now, because this is going to lead into the case studies... Understanding that there is a very significant cultural divide between Jews and Gentiles and a theological divide between Jews and Gentiles, that's pretty important. The Jews, through all of what we call the Old Testament, were told to have essentially nothing to do with the Gentiles. Sometimes Gentiles would become proselytes. That is to say, they would come to the Jews... And they'd say, I'd like to become a Jew. And there was a whole process that they would have to go through and become obedient to the law. But even then, they were a different person. But within what we consider the Jews, there were different groups. And they could sometimes look at each other with hairy eyeballs too. for various reasons. Racism isn't just about color. It isn't just about language. So, when I was, I'm pretty sure I was around three, we lived in Ontario. We went on vacation in the summer We went to Quebec, in Quebec we went to this park where there was a beach and we got into our swim trunks and we went down on the beach and my parents were off to one side and my brother and I were running around and all of a sudden my parents heard a kerfluffle and they looked over and there I was. And I was surrounded by a bunch of people and there was a kid standing in front of me crying and apparently I looked quite angry. And so my parents came over. And in the discussion with everybody, Dad was having some trouble because most of them were speaking French and were upset. (laughs) And Dad looked at me and said, what did you do? And I said, he wouldn't talk right. So I had thrown a handful of sand in his face. I was a three-year-old. I was not the end product of long-term teaching. I was a frustrated kid who couldn't understand what the other kid was saying. Racism is specific. Our first case study, Luke chapter 10 25 to 37. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you're familiar with it. Growing up, we would hear about this on occasion. There, were, uh, there was a, uh, some sort of a cartoon on TV that was just made with quick line drawings, and it was the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that was actually the first place I heard of this. Samaritan doesn't mean a person who does good things, which is what I thought it meant. It's a person from Samaria. And it means something, which we'll explain in a second. So, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, context. Samaritans were an offshoot of Judaism. They did not worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They worshiped in the high places. They built altars up on the mountains. And they worshiped Jehovah there. And so... A Samaritan was almost, if not worse, than a Gentile. And a Jew, a good Jew, an observant Jew, wouldn't even do business with them. Wouldn't do anything with them. Wouldn't have anything to do with them. So we've got a guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Pretty good odds he's Jewish, particularly because Jesus is bothering to tell us this and he gets mugged and he's laying there naked half dead on the road a priest comes by sees him laying there and goes on the other side of the street so that he's not going to be contaminated by this guy and keeps going just leaves him there in the street And then a Levite. A Levite is a member of the tribe of Levi, and they were tasked with the care and the function of the temple. They were the ones that the priests came from. That was the tribe of Levi. And when the Levite saw this guy laying in the dirt, naked, half beaten to death, he went to the other side. Have nothing to do with this guy kept on going who does Jesus use as the example of a good neighbor I know you know the Samaritan the despised person the person that they weren't to have anything to do with the person that the Jews persecuted they persecuted them And that's who Jesus uses as the example of the good neighbor. So that's our first case study. Our second case study takes place in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Now, this has a couple of interesting things that happen in it that happen no place else and they're very important. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity, let's stop there just for a second. What is she? Which makes her a, a Gentile. Have nothing to do with them. That's the Jewish rule. That's the Jewish law. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered. So this is Jesus responding to the woman who's crying out for Jesus' help. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Do you understand what he's saying there? What is Jesus saying with that sentence? Pardon? Pardon? He was sent for the Jewish people. The lost sheep of Israel. That's who he was tasked to come and work with and redeem. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, pay attention to this. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the, what's the word? Toss it to the, what is she? Who just said it? Take a second. Think about that. Her response is, Absolutely fascinating. Yes, it is, Lord. She said, Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Wow. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith, your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. So we have a Canaanite woman who comes, and the first amazing thing is what she calls Jesus. Take a look at the scripture, what does she call Jesus? Does it show up there? No, you gotta go back a couple. She identifies him, Lord, son of David. She knows who he is. And she asks for help, and she asks for help because her daughter is demon-possessed. So she's acknowledging right off the fact that the son of David has power over demons. That's a huge thing. This is a Canaanite woman, and she knows. And Jesus, he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He's referring to the Canaanites. He's referring to the Gentiles because that was the official view. Now, you gotta ask yourself, what is he doing? Is he actually saying, you dogs don't deserve this? Or is he waiting to see? Because her response is a response of faith. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Take a look at the word master. I need someone who understands grammar. Is that plural or singular? It's singular, showing possession. Who's the master? Jesus is the master. She never stops. You're Jesus. You're the son of David. You are the master. And that's what he's waiting for. It's not that she's Canaanite, it's not that she's Jewish. It's that she recognizes Jesus. And he heals her daughter. We have the Samaritan being held up as the example of a good neighbor. We have the Canaanite being held up as the example of faithfulness. Of belief. What does that tell us about what Jesus thought of racism? It wasn't a thing for him. He understood that people were different, they had different nationalities, obviously. He understood what his primary mission was, but he has authority. What authority did Jesus have? All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. For God so loved, let's say it, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son. The world. Our world is really struggling right now. Our world is in the grip of people. Want to use hatred. They want to turn people against people. They want people to say, if you're this color, or if you have this shape of feature, or if you come from this area, you're less. What does Jesus say? He says, No, you're a good neighbor. He says, no, you have faith. As Christians, our responsibility is to take the gospel to the world. Why? They need to hear it. Who did Jesus die for? The world, not just me, not just white people, not just brown people, not just black people. Jesus died for us, for all of us. And when we look at what's happening today, when we see how the lines are being drawn, let me ask you a question. This might be kind of a personal question. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Well, yes, I do. (laughs) I can't lie about that. Of course I mean to put you on the spot. What would be a good example of racism here in New Brunswick? The French-English thing, yeah? Pardon? All the indigenous people and the non-indigenous people, yes? Pardon? Yes, the refugees coming in. Okay, quick story. I think I've told you this before, but it's a perfect example to me. I worked down on the boulevard on McLaren Avenue, and when... A lot of the families first came over from Syria. They were uh, given homes along there and you could instantly tell the difference. This was terrible. It really was terrible, but we were kind of laughing because you knew which homes were being lived in by Syrians and which ones were not because the Syrian front yard was clean, neat, and tidy. And the other homes were not. And some of the local residents who had been there for many years and who were feeling very aggrieved with this started getting together and they started talking about how terrible this was and how these people were coming and they're taking our stuff and, 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 and they just worked themselves right up and we could see this happening. We're in our building and we're looking out and you can hear the voices and so we gotta check and see what's going on. And one day, I don't know, 15 or 20, People who had probably had some some form of chemical assistance in fueling their anger, decided they were gonna do something about this, gosh darn it. And they picked up lawn chairs, and they picked up stuff out of the yard, and they started stamping across the street towards a group of Syrians. Now, you know that I have great respect for Canadians you know that I have great respect for the people of St. John. But in a pinch, when push comes to shove, am I going to put my money behind a bunch of chemically addled people holding lawn furniture? Or am I going to put my money behind a bunch of people who've survived for however many years under constant artillery barrage with snipers and bombs and landmines? The Canadians never had a chance. The Syrians (laughs) stepped into a group and as the Canadians came over and were trying to hit them, the Syrians would just take it and toss it. They didn't hit back. Jesus died for them. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for everybody. And if you remember Azra's story, her account of what happened when no one was sharing the gospel with her in a prison where she had been praying to Allah and got no response, who appeared to her? Jesus appeared to her in person. Not because she was rich and elegant, because she needed him and she was seeking him. Racism is evil. Racism is sin. It will stop us from sharing the gospel with people that need to hear it because we don't like them, or they might start coming to our church. That's racism. And Jesus only once permitted himself to be corrected, and that was by the Canaanite woman. He said... It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, yes it is, Lord. (laughs) She corrected Jesus. And he accepted it. Because the point was made. We're gonna see racism happen. We're gonna see people being against other people because of all the different reasons that we have under the label of racism. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be a good neighbor? Are we going to be the person who goes and helps somebody? Are we going to be the person who shares the gospel with somebody? Are we going to stand with people who are seeking God? A people that God sometimes has to bypass us to get the gospel to. Tough stuff. These are tough questions. It's tough not because it's difficult. It's tough because it means that we've got to look at what it is we believe and how it is we behave. And we have to change some of that.